Is George Alagaya, one of the BBC's most highly respected and much-loved presenters, has died. He was 67 and he'd been living with bowel cancer since 2014. George won many awards in a hugely successful career which took him from southern Africa to many other parts of the world. The BBC Today spoke of his special connection with audiences and many who worked with him here will remember him most as an unfailingly kind-hearted and generous colleague. Well, Anne Little looks back at his life. Millions knew him as the face of the six o'clock news. Good evening and welcome to the six o'clock news. And for his calm, unflappable authority. Good evening and welcome to the BBC's News at Six. He was born in Sri Lanka in 1955 to Christian Tamil parents. As a child, the family moved to Ghana. This is the road. And he was swept up in the early optimism of a young nation newly independent of British colonial rule. We knew that Africa was going to be united and that Ghana and our, this country was going to be at the centre of it. I mean, I think that was a kind of dream. At 11, he was a migrant again, this time to England, where his parents enrolled him in a Portsmouth boarding school. Here, though there was some racism, he learned to adapt to a new culture and to thrive. At Durham University, he met his wife, Frances. I think when we got married, we were aware of a sort of meeting of cultures. You can see that in the wedding photos. We've got two sons, Adam and Matthew. In a turbulent and often dangerous working life, she and their two boys were the still and unwavering centre of his existence, his solid ground. And welcome to the Rainbow Nation. For just over a year now, South Africa has been my base as the BBC's Africa correspondent. I knew George as a foreign correspondent. We worked together in Africa, the continent whose fate ran through his life like a thread through cloth. Sorry, so this is your, this is where your house, eh? Oh, it's nice, it's nice. I thought of him as a kind of mentor. I was inspired by his example. He was brave, calm and kind. Okay, you get the water from here and, and do that. I admired his gift for reaching into the hearts of those caught up in war or natural disaster, winning their trust even at the worst moments of their lives. In a refugee camp in eastern Zaire, hundreds were dying every day of preventable illness. I asked her what she wanted from life, a job, she said, so I can look after little Petty. In Somalia, he met a woman whose 10-year-old daughter had just died. His own children were about the same age. It seemed wrong to be there at what should have been a moment of private grief. She said it was all right if it might help to save her other daughter. I haven't the heart to count and it doesn't really matter. There were moments when he crossed the line between merely witnessing and actively intervening in the pain of others. We took those we could manage to the French military hospital. At times like this, it's impossible not to cross the line that divides us, the observers, and those we observe. The Rwandese translator we worked with then, Seth Ngarambe, told us his Tutsi wife had been murdered by Hutu extremists. But he was later accused of complicity in her murder and jailed. George wanted to know the truth, however painful, and went to find him in prison. The nature of their reunion, the power of it, says something profound about the George we knew and his extraordinary talent. Looking better than I thought. Yes. Eh? Come, Seth, can we go and talk somewhere? 
diamond. It's wonderful. He even charmed men at the heart of Sierra Leone's normally secretive diamond trading business. Look, look this, is the big, this is the biggest you've seen all day. Yeah. The world of the so-called blood diamond. This is something to write home about. No, this is about $2,000, $2,500. So you're in the clear. In Ghana, he went back to his old school. Somewhere in here is me. Go on. Yes. Well done. <laughs> he would later say that he was destined to spend his adult life in Africa, dispelling the dream he had nurtured so carefully as a child. He was in Johannesburg in the Mandela years, a time of bright promise. Mandela, in his 70s, was about to remarry. And now, sir, the future, you're, you're a man in love? Uh, it is a wonderful moment for me, as anybody else, uh, to be in love. When he returned to the UK, he brought to the studio a wealth of wisdom and experience gathered over years on the road. Though in the seconds before his first six o'clock news, there was some trepidation. At six o'clock, these are tonight's top stories. He was diagnosed with cancer in 2014. After a grueling round of treatment and multiple operations, he couldn't wait to be back in the tumult of the newsroom. He was deeply moved by messages of support and affection sent in by countless viewers he'd never meet. And on his first day back, made this small concession. And I just want to say it's good to be back with you. That's all. Off screen, George was funny, clever, a generous and confiding friend, and full of energetic hope. There was something infectious about his optimism. You always walked away from time with George, feeling better about the human race and the world in general. And that's the BBC's News at Six. The migrant boy, whose family left Sri Lanka with nothing, found his home in a changing Britain, and he took this country to his heart. It's goodbye. The news continues, though, here on BBC One. I watched George for years up close and thought this of him, that people wanted to tell him their story because in his journalism they saw the outstretched hand of a shared humanity and of solidarity. Well, that report was by Alan Little, someone who knew George for more than 30 years. We've also been talking to Milton Nkosi, our former Africa Bureau chief, who was a close friend of George's. So we'll hear from him in just a moment. But first, let's hear a little more of Alan Little's tribute. He was uh, seemed blissfully unaware of the esteem and affection in which he was held. There was no ego about him at all. And his great strength, of course, was empathy. But I think that what he said there about the experience of having cancer for so many years and being determined to see something positive in it, I think he knew how loved he was because those of us who loved him took the opportunity to tell him so uh, and not wait till the last minute. So he had that ability to bestow affection uh, and bestow um, warmth uh, and and he was surrounded by love. When you travel together in places that are going through turmoil, it bonds you, you become closer. And we became more than colleagues, we became friends. And in fact, I was very proud when George uh, graciously agreed to be uh, the godfather to my son, who was born in 2001, Hosi and that brought the families together. George was at my wedding in 1998. We have a picture of him here at home on the display when he was standing at my uh, parents-in-law's house, at my wife's home. 
There was a, a word that he and I used to use when we were living in South Africa, and it's from the Nguni languages of uh, Southern Africa, and the word is Ubuntu. There's no translation into English, but it contains the idea that all human beings are uh, bound together in a shared responsibility for each other. Bishop Tutu used to say, Ubuntu, let me define it like this, I'm, I can only be fully me when you are fully you. We two are connected. I can't be rich if you're poor. I can't be free if you're enslaved. George mentioned Ubuntu at a, a gathering for, to celebrate his 60th birthday about seven years ago when we thought his cancer had been eradicated and he talked about Ubuntu, the, se the sense of humanity and uh, I think it was his lodestar. It was amazing to watch George working because as my brother just reminded me that George was always calm, very thoughtful and in times of war and rebellion and rioting when we are um, being shot at uh, with tear gas and rubber bullets, uh, trying to get into the heart of the story. Um, George was the uh, calming uh, voice of reason, if you like, because at that point, we all get a little bit uh, passionate about the, the story and we raise our voices and we act like we are panicking. And George would be the one who uh, calms us down. I went to see him two weeks ago and that smile, he flashed that smile at me from his hospital bed and, uh, and the thing he said to me, one of the things he said to me that he wanted people to know was, you know, what cancer has taught him is that he had time to reflect on his life, what it meant and to tell to the people he loved the things he wanted them to know. And he said to me, Alan, <laughs> if you haven't yet told the people you love that you love them, don't wait, tell them. If you haven't yet told the people that you want to spend the rest of your life with, that you want to spend the rest of your life with them. Tell them, don't wait. And that's kind of what he wanted to say to the world, I suppose, to say to all the people who, who loved and admired him. Well, some wonderful, wonderful tributes there to George Allegaire and uh, more tributes uh, throughout the course of Verified Live over the next uh, two or three hours.